I'm Audrey Cooper, editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth Emission. Last year, one of the most powerful political forces in the country were the police unions. They threw lots of money at candidates and issues and were considered key in political commercials. But that was before the explosion of fury over the death of George Floyd and countless other black and brown people at the hands of police. Now, some prosecutors around the country are taking pledges that they won't accept money from police unions, and the unions themselves are promising to back reforms aimed at curbing police brutality. So what is the political future of these unions? Joining me to discuss it is our senior political writer, Joe Garofoli. Joe, uh, maybe we should start by giving, you know, maybe some historical context for how police unions became so politically powerful, certainly in California, but I would say that's true across the country. Oh, it's true everywhere. Um, and that's because when you have the imprimatur of a police union, you it's voters often take that as the imprimatur of the police itself. Someone, uh, if, a, if a union comes out and says, candidate X is very strong, uh, tough on crime, for many years, for arguably uh, all of the years of this republic, that was seen as a positive, as something a, a candidate could be trusted to keep people safe. But as we're seeing uh, you know, very graphically recently, um, keeping that's not meaning keeping everyone safe. Uh, some communities are policed different than others, and that's what uh, uh, many Americans are, are waking up to right now. And so how, how big of a deal is this pledge that some uh, district attorneys have made a very big deal about not taking money from police unions? I mean, is is the money they give really influencing uh, charging decisions and and how the criminal justice system works. Well, I, it's, it depends. In some places, they're given given a pittance of money, but it's more the appearance of taking money from a police union right now. And the appearance is because you're saying, well, if, uh, that means I'm if I'm taking your money, that means I will not I will go soft when it if, uh, when it time when it comes time to prosecute police misconduct in some ways. So it's it's uh, as symbolic as well as uh, I should say much more than it is a financial consideration because DAs can raise money from a lot of other places than from police unions. Right. But the police unions, I mean, well, first of all, maybe we should start with the basic. How do they have so much money to throw at political causes? Well, the same the same way that other unions have money to raise, uh, they they uh, they raise it from their from their membership. You pay a percentage of your wages, just like a, as a union member, I do the same thing to uh, to my local union, um, and they use that money uh, in many cases for political purposes. Uh, not all unions uh, reflect their membership. Um, we can go back to a case in the world of politics just a couple of months ago in Nevada. When I was in Nevada. Uh, one of the most powerful worker uh, unions there was the Culinary Workers Union. They got in a spat with Bernie Sanders. The union leadership did. Um, but when it came time to vote, uh, this very powerful union, it, it, the majority of its members voted for Bernie Sanders, even though that's, its leadership had a spat with him. So sometimes the leadership doesn't always reflect the rank and file. And do you think that this this trend that I, I've mostly seen with, with district attorneys, but do you think that will flow into the November elections too and that we'll see, I don't know, fewer officers appearing in television commercials? Or or is this really a sensibility you think that offends um, 
the coastal, more liberal cities? I mean, is this something that's going to happen all over America or is it is it really just San Francisco, New York, Seattle, places that um, have longstanding beefs with their police? And Philadelphia, too. They have a, a liberal district attorney, but that's it's mostly confined to those places now in terms of district attorney races. Um, uh, and of course, we have one of the most liberal district attorneys here in uh, Chase of Boudin. Um, but I think that the, on the national level, it's a different uh, it's a different ball game. Number one, uh, policing is a local issue, so it will mean more to local candidates. Um, but at the same time, it, we're going to be seeing echoes of that on the national level. President Trump has talked about law and order, law and order. He repeats it. That's his, one of his new mantras. And he's basically using it to push back on the images of, of the protests and demonstrations that many of his supporters and perhaps some suburban uh, voters might find offensive. Um, uh, Joe Biden is in a, almost a, a, he's in a tough place for his 40 years in politics. He has relied on police union support. He supported the crime bill in 1994, which put, uh, which helped to fund a hundred thousand more officers on the street. That's something he's, he's not, he's not bragging about right now at this time. Um, so we're going to see those echoes at the national level, but when it comes time to vote and actually make change on that, uh, local voters are going to be doing that. That's really interesting. So maybe we could also talk about locally one of the issues that, um, yeah, maybe maybe let's start with this, and and that's the you know police. There's more than one police union. Yes, and it seems to me that some of them are sticking to the the political game plan that has always worked for them, and other ones are starting to make some concessions and starting to say, "Hey, we want to root out the bad cops more aggressively too." So. Is it is it fair to paint all these unions with the same brush, or are these distinctions really not that significant? Well, we're talking about that in a story that will be in the San Francisco Chronicle uh, very soon, <laughs> and that is a it revolves around this ballot measure that's going to be in the November ballot, and it's called the Reducing Crime and Keeping California Safe Act, and uh, it's 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 sort of a, a coming at a weird point because just the other day we saw three top unions, police unions in the country, in the state from San Francisco, from LA and from San Jose, uh, take out full page ads in, in the Chronicle and other publications saying, you know, we want to be part of the reform solution. We, we want to, we, we promise to, uh, monitor our officers better and, and pledging a list of reforms. Now, some longtime police reform advocates say, those promises were kind of hollow. They, they really, they're, they're not really pledging anything that they haven't uh, done before or should have been doing already. Um, and at the same time, this ballot measure, which I alluded to, which would roll back some of the police reforms and, and more incarceration reforms that we've seen in California over the last several years, it's being funded by other police unions. So at one hand, you have some police unions uh, promising support. And the other hand, uh, other unions are spending, they've spent uh, probably $2 million on this police uh, reform measure. Uh, and they've, they've raised, that's more than half of what they've raised so far. So it's going, it's a, you know, in this tumultuous time right now, police unions are, are trying to figure out their way. Uh, and um, are they an antiquated type of institution at this point? Well, I mean, it, it seems like it's, it's obvious cops want 
um, clear clearer lines about what is a felony, what is a misdemeanor. And I mean, I think they would argue that the the proposition that was largely backed at the time by District Attorney George Gascon here in San Francisco, now running for office down in Los Angeles, that the, that that created uh, too much wiggle room for criminals. And this is why we're seeing an explosion of criminal activity. We've heard that time and again in San Francisco around issues like car break-ins. What what does the data actually say? I mean, is this an issue? Is is it um, something that the the police unions have a legitimate point with? Well, uh, on Prop Forty Seven, the uh, Public Policy Institute has looked at that a couple different times, and they say that they have quote they have found quote no evidence that violent crime increased as a result of Prop Forty Seven. But it, they also did find that quote it may have contributed to a rise in larceny thefts which increased by roughly five, or I'm sorry, by 9% from 2014 to 2016. And those are your car break-ins. Those are other uh, property crimes because Prop 47 lowered the threshold for what is actually a felony from, uh, it, uh, it, it had to be like up to, was it $900, $950, I believe, um, from about $400. So it, it, the, the threshold was changed. And so those things, those things became misdemeanors. And police said, "Well, we're unable to 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 put we're able to be able to do anything about that." Um, so that's what this uh, statewide ballot measure attempts. That's one of the things that attempts to roll back. Now, the the challenge for for the uh, police and law enforcement and other supporters of this is: is this a time to be rolling back something that actually lowered the prison population in California, and that was uh, you know not seen as as contributing to the increase of violent crime? That's a very tough political walk they're going to have to do right now. Yeah, it seems like really bad timing. I mean, of course, this was this was a proposal before the recent demonstrations, but just politically, is it is it smart, do you think, to pour money into this and to take a major active role when a lot of police officers, fairly or not, are pariahs in this country right now? Yeah, it's going. It's going to be a, a tough one to raise money from uh, the traditional sources, which would be police unions. Um, the uh, the two of the three, in fact, all three of the unions that uh, took out those full page ads have not contributed money to this uh, ballot measure. Although the Los Angeles union is on record as being a supporter of it, um, but again, as you said, uh, this this thing rolled out more than a year ago. Um, and it's been worked on and, and, and talked about in Sacramento for years, ever since uh, Prop 47 rolled out. The challenge is, is, it, is the, the people who want to pull back on Prop 47 are generally either conservative Democrats or Republicans, and there's not enough of them to, to do that legislatively, so they're going to the ballot box. Joe, I want to ask you about the future of police unions overall and how connected they are with their members. But first, let's take a break. I'm speaking with Chronicle senior political writer Joe Garofoli. We'll be right back after this. Joe, before we went to break, we were talking about some specific measures that police unions uh, were backing in a in on the statewide ballot. I keep thinking back to the election of Chesa Boudin here in San Francisco, a very progressive candidate, even you know, even really by San Francisco standards, a tight race. Um, and I think what he would say is that in the end, what made a difference and got him elected was the police union putting in a lot of money to try to defeat him. 
Is that going to backfire elsewhere in the country like it might have in San Francisco? Or is that is that really just in very liberal cities, do you think? I, I think at this point that's in that's in very liberal cities. Um, and you had to have the right you had to have the right candidate at the right time and the right demographic and the and the right history of the police uh, force. I mean, the the San Francisco police force has a history and some very high profile cases where they use excessive force. And uh, they're, you know, they, they weren't a popular political entity <laughs> uh, because of what they were doing on the streets. And that translated. Um, so, if, you know, if they're coming out for someone their their uh, political power isn't as powerful as as it would be else uh, another time. Um, but there's very few San Francisco's out there. And as you said, there's uh, the Seattle's Philadelphia. There's not a lot of places at this point. Um, that that have those conditions, but we're also seeing two demonstrations uh, in the wake of the George Floyd case in 2,000 U.S. cities, not just San Francisco or Oakland, but like small towns all over the place and in every state. So this is this is uh, we may be well versed with these type of conversations here in California and specifically in the Bay Area, but this is a new conversation in a lot of places in America. So. The, the jury's out. Well, let's look. Let's look in two, three years down the road, uh, and what happens. And remember, this the electorate that comes out uh, for a presidential race in the fall is uh, younger. There's more people of color in it, and it's generally a more liberal uh, electorate in the presidential year, especially this presidential year, uh, than uh, at other times. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good point. But we we also see across the country right now governors, mayors, people rushing to answer the cries of the protesters to, quote unquote, defund the police, um, whatever whatever that means to you as a protester. I think there's a spectrum of what that actually might translate to in a policy. Uh, but are the unions positioned still to be able to, as they historically have, fight off these transparency measures and fight off uh, reforms to more heavily regulate how they arrest subjects? Are, are they politically able to fight that off as much as they would have been before? Well, they'll, they'll have uh, certainly have enough money because, the, because as, as we said earlier, because of their membership funds them. So they'll have the money to do it, uh, but they don't certainly don't have the cachet uh, that they once did. Um, but as, as someone, uh, one of the advocates told me today, the, the, the job of the police union is to protect police jobs because police jobs, more police jobs, more money for the union, uh, and a, and a raw, at a raw term in raw political terms. Um, but it, it will be, it, that's something we've got to watch for to see which way this, how long this can carry this, this, uh, the civil rights demonstrations we're seeing in the street, what impact they have. People are saying, Okay, what can I do about this? Is this can we only make change through protest? People can make change through the ballot box, and uh, voting for your district attorney is a is a local way to make change. Voting for your city council member is a way to make change because city council members vote on police budgets. Uh, so those are local ways that everyone can make change. You, it's not necessarily just a vote for president or senate. These are uh, ways in, in everyone's neighborhood that the, the change can be had. So maybe you can sum up where we are now, but mostly like look forward. What when you look into Joe's crystal ball, the political magical <laughs> crystal ball that you have, that is occasionally wrong. <laughs> yes, I know. As Bruce Jenkins said, it's called being dead wrong in public. 
Yeah, well, you know, that's okay. But for the sake of let's have the intellectual argument, what yes. what is the future of this going to look like uh, in California and, and also around the country, do you think? Well, I think the near-term future is that the, the police are going to be playing catch-up. They are, uh, are, 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 are definitely weakened politically. Um, now, the, the challenge is, uh, are the people who want to have uh, make reform going to have reform-like candidates, the right reform candidates in the pipeline and ready to go? Because remember, this a this, uh, lot of elections, the, the, the slate is already set for this fall. This movement has to have legs um, and has to be able to sustain candidates that come on in the next year, the year after that, and, and create a pipeline. The, the district attorneys typically across the country are reelected at a very high rate. They're, you know, these are folks who, if there's no term limits, they may be there for 10, 20 years. So um, the, the, those folks are going to be tough to root out. But there may be momentum at their back with these demonstrations, this movement uh, that we're seeing in the streets right now. Do you think it's possible, uh, you know, I, I feel like, again, in San Francisco, we may have the inklings of this happening, that the police unions, instead of being moved further to the left and and being forced to accept some greater transparency and reforms aimed at curbing brutality and bad acting cops, is it possible that they swing farther to the other side to try to de- to defend themselves and, and come off as looking even more... Um, out of touch with what Americans are so frustrated or what many Americans are very frustrated at right now. Yeah, they could, but I think that would be a political mistake if they did. I mean, they could definitely retrench and, and go there. And remember that the one thing or the many things that could change this would be something that happens on the ground. Either way, uh, if there's another uh, use of for a controversial use of force incident um, that could sway people against the police, or if it's something that where the police are seen as uh, heroic or, uh, you know, or saving someone that could sway uh, public opinion towards them. Um, you know, if, if people are given the, how, um, how, uh, wired we all are these days and how instantaneous, uh, news travels and 24 hour news cycle, blah, 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 the things on the ground affect public opinion. We look at what's happened in three weeks. Um, uh, that it's, it's been amazing and that the pendulum could go back the other way, uh, with other changes on the ground. And of course, who knows what happens with this, with this pandemic. Right. Well, that exciting nature of political thought is why you are so good at your job. Joe, thank you for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me, Chief. I'd like to thank Joe Garofoli for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode and thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.